welcome back to the Forking Wellness Podcast. Today's episode is all about intuitive eating, but before we get into it, I just wanted to let you know that today's episode is sponsored by Olivado, a company making extra virgin avocado oil who sources all their avocados from organic small holdings in New Zealand, Kenya, and Tanzania. And actually, 50% of their small holdings in Africa are owned by women supporting their families and their wider communities. So we obviously love supporting a company that supports women. And Alivado is a fair trade company, which means they pay their farmers up front before they pick the avocados so they can pay for things like schools, waters, cows, and much more. They also aim to be carbon positive by 2025, and that avocado oil has a high smoke point, which makes it ideal for frying and cooking at high temperatures. I absolutely love frying up my salmon in avocado oil. It makes it super crispy. Yeah, I just like put it on everything. Like <laughs> every <laughs> anytime I cook, it's just the oil that I reach for, whether I'm making Mark's, you know, chicken or I'm drizzling it over one of my like vegetables. So super yeah, versatile. Such a good flavor. Amazing. So we encourage you guys to go out and try it and please follow them on Instagram. Yeah, you can find them at Olivado UK. And yeah, they've got loads of delicious recipes on their page that you can take inspiration from. And let us know what you think. Hi guys, I'm Barry Strickoff, Registered Dietitian. And I'm Sophie Bertrand, Registered Associate Nutritionist. And today's episode was meant to be all about skin health, and instead it's all going to be all about intuitive eating. Yeah, we are jiggling around the schedule a little bit, Um <laughs> Barry and I are incredibly busy and nothing is going to plan. So we are surprising you all with an episode on intuitive eating because it's actually been one that's been requested quite a few times in the last few weeks. So we thought, let's record it. Definitely. And I always feel like you and I genuinely have really interesting chats about intuitive eating because it's something Mm -hmm. we're both super interested in, but obviously have different like opinions and viewpoints. Definitely. So we're going to get into it. Okay. Um, and we also have quite a few questions. So we'll, we'll talk through it as much as we can in one episode. And then we'll go through listener questions. And if you do have any kind of unanswered concerns, questions, anything you want us to expand on, um, Barry and I are very happy to do like a live video or put together a small video. Um, just making sure you guys are clued up on the subject. Yeah, totally. I feel like it is quite like a new cumbersome kind of idea. People, it's a lot of hype around it. I feel like there's a lot of mixed messages, um, a lot of confusion and people using the words intuitive eating like completely out of context. Definitely. We were just talking about this before we came on. Um, And I actually feel like some practitioners get it wrong as well. And I feel like... So you said practitioner... So I feel like that's interesting. So you you are an intuitive eating practitioner. So what does that mean versus someone like me who, you know, I've read the intuitive eating book. I've worked through the handbook myself. Um, But like, I I don't have any like formal training on it where you do. So kind of like elaborate on what your training like entails and like, what does it mean now to be an intuitive eating practitioner? Yeah, so when so I still work at the nutrition clinic seeing clients, and I'm now the intuitive eating um, nutritionist there. I actually prefer to call myself a non-diet nutritionist. 
I don't know why that just sits better with me I'm not kind of there is um something called a certified intuitive eating counselor I, I don't think it is, exists in the UK but I know I don't know if you know more about it but in America I think there's actually like a body or a website in which you can search for certified counsellors but there's a lot more extensive training in the US than there is in the UK so there's actually only one course that transfers into accredited CPD points in the UK which is the one I did at the London Centre of Intuitive Eating Um, and but you know that course was so helpful so in depth we had loads of materials that we were able to go away with but I still do a lot of my own research as well yeah I feel like that's kind of like just nutrition in general like yeah (laughs) it requires a lot of like self-guided teaching kind of exactly exactly but um yeah I feel like you know I see people on Instagram or social media kind of promoting intuitive eating and sometimes I think they're not overly clear what they're trying to say um definitely a red flag is if someone is trying to sell you intuitive eating and pairing it with weight loss because the two don't tend to go together that's actually well they don't go together (laughs) yeah it's actually one of the questions that um just popped up on my instagram um but I guess we'll get into it more in a bit but like so what 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 the fork is intuitive eating like (laughs) Like, I know, like, so obviously I know what it is. And, like, when you break it out, like, intuitive is kind of, like, moments that, you know, it makes logical sense. Like, you don't have Mm -hmm. to think about it much. It's, like, very automatic. It's very, like, um, habitual. Not even habitual. That's not the way. Like, innate. Is that a better way to say it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, So, but what does that even mean in terms of, like, eating? Yeah. So, basically, we're all theoretically born intuitive eaters. So, you know, like... When, you know, let's say you were breastfed, if you're hungry, you kind of latch on, and when you're full, you'll kind of push away, that's what a baby tends to do, we know that toddlers will push their food away if they don't want to eat it, um, you know, they'll make, they'll be very vocal when they're hungry and what sort of food they want to eat, but, you know, I'm not blaming parenting or anything like that, but it's some, you know, so I, I, I even was told this, it's like, you're not allowed to dessert until you finish your main meal. Yeah, my mom used to do, like, we used to do a clean plate club. Like, yeah, I remember you telling me about that. Yeah, like, we couldn't, it wasn't that, like, we couldn't leave the table if we didn't eat it, but it was just like, oh, who's going to join the clean plate club tonight? Yeah, it was like, you like, well done you if you finish your plate, now you're rewarded with dessert kind of thing. Yeah, but I do have to say that my mom always let me serve myself, so I guess we'll talk about that um, yeah. maybe a bit. But, like, I was never served my own food growing up. Like, it was very, always, like, family style. Like, even to this day, like, when we have family meals, it's always family style. Like, you put whatever you want on your own plate. Yeah, we do that now, actually. We have family dinners every Sunday, and it's not, like, a buffet, but, like, everything's kind of in involved the center of the table. table and you help yourself, yeah. So even as a kid, I was, like, putting my own food on my plate because, like, my mom was always like, you put on what you want, you could always have seconds, but, like, don't waste what's on your plate. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, my parents, especially my dad, is still is huge on not wasting food, and I'm the same. So it was like we used to get really told off if we didn't finish our meals. Like I remember being a kid at a restaurant once, and I didn't, I genuinely just didn't want my food, and my dad went crazy at me. Yeah. So how does that kind of translate into our learned behaviors? 
yeah, so it, it's it's all relative, and it's the same as kind of like you know diet messages that we hear growing up, things that we see on TV, talk that we hear in school. That like growing up with all these different messages just confuses us, and then we don't trust ourselves to make our own decisions around food anymore. Yeah, it's it's, it's actually it's actually so rare that someone grows up not being influenced by these messages. Yeah. So, what age would you say? people stop becoming intuitive eaters. So we're born as intuitive eaters, and then we're kind of influenced by, like, the media and our parents and our friends and kind of, like, the mixed messages that we hear. So at what point do we stop becoming intuitive and start listening to these outer noises? My honest answer is I have no idea. <laughs> I, I think it was a very, like, hypothetical, theoretical question. I didn't expect you to be like, oh, at three I, yeah. and a half. <laughs> I guess it depends on the environment you grow up in like I would assume that if you grow up in like a city or more of kind of like a built-up area you're going to be more exposed to certain messages um whereas you know if you're growing up in the middle of nowhere and you know you're on a farm and you know you're not on social media yeah you're probably going to eat a little bit more intuitively I can theoretically yeah 100% I can definitely imagine that we probably lasted as intuitive eaters much longer than the kids today yeah because like Uh, 100% and personally I think I stopped becoming an intuitive eater when I was like 14 right because I was at school everyone was on a diet everyone wanted to lose weight everyone wanted to be a size zero yeah and then literally like my food preferences and choices went out the window and everything was based on how much I weighed yeah it became no longer about you know food it became about the weight that's exactly literally it wasn't even about like you know what I enjoyed or what I felt like eating that didn't even come into it it was like how many calories is this and how many calories is that and like is this gonna make me put on weight yeah I think that's really I think it's still unfortunately super common but I do think with the rise of intuitive eating and kind of this Mm. like awareness and I think I think the intuitive eating movement goes hand in hand with the body positive movement but I still think they're two completely separate things I just think they are happening they are happening at the same moment and they kind of complement each other in a way yeah but I also with the whole body positivity thing I'm so for it and it's such a great message but not everyone is capable of or wants to even focus on loving their body yeah and I think what we can focus on more is just feeling a bit more neutral towards our bodies Mm -hmm. I think that's I mean that's something I talk about with my clients it's just more doable not everyone is in the position to look in the mirror and be like oh my god I love my body it looks so great yeah Some, some people just want to look in the mirror and be like okay like I'm healthy and you know my legs are carrying me around today and you know I can go about my day to day and I'm loved and I'm supported and I'm a nice person yeah do you think that if you are in like a full intuitive eater that you always love your body or like I know you said not everyone's at that moment but do you think when you do become an intuitive eater there is like an inherent like love for your body or like still like those things can be mutually exclusive I think there's definitely more respect for your body. Yeah. Um, and that comes with intuitive eating and that's learned and that's part of your journey. But I don't think anyone, I mean, as far as, you know, in my opinion, I don't think anyone's ever exempt from having those days where you're just like, 
I'm not really feeling my body today. Yeah, 100%. Like, we're all normal people. Like, yeah, especially, exactly. Especially women. Like, hormones are a bitch. Like, exactly. <laughs> um, I feel like I'm asking you a lot of questions and you're, like, answering. Um, which, obviously, you're the expert, so I think that it's good. I'm, de- I'm definitely not the expert. <laughs> but I, like... But I, will, I will give as much information as I can. Yeah, no, that's fair. But I feel like there's a lot of, like, we have such great conversations. Um, we do. Really... sometimes we have a bit of a debate, don't we? Yeah, like like an all fun and loving debate. A friendly debate, yeah. Yeah, just a difference of opinions. Anyways, yeah. I feel like maybe for the people who might be hearing about intuitive eating for the first time, we should probably run through, like, actually, what is it? What are the ten principles? Definitely. Because actually, the first, like, three questions I got on my Instagram was, what is intuitive eating? Yeah. It's such a buzzword, and you know what? Like, it's a buzzword for a good reason. Like, it's come onto the scene, it makes a lot of sense, which is kind of like, duh, it's intuitive, it makes sense. Um, But it's really, really difficult to kind of explain in one word, or one sentence. So I think that's why there are these ten principles, because it's much more nuanced than just listening to your body. Yeah, a hundred percent. And it's a journey. No one can just like switch and start eating intuitively overnight or like even in like a week or a month. Like it, t- it takes time. Yeah. And I think some people are like, you either have to eat intuitively and like do the full, you know, 10 principles all at the same time, or you just can't do it. Like, it's not like that at all. You can definitely start to adopt some of the principles whilst not being completely into all of them. Yeah, so there's, like, a spectrum, I guess. Yeah. I, ju- I, I just always refer to it as a journey. Yeah. And what's really common with my clients is that they feel like they've taken, like, 100 steps forward, 100 steps forward after seeing me for the first time. And then when I see them for, like, the second or third time, they feel like they've gone back because I feel like they get all excited by, like, this new kind of journey. And then they're like, actually, it's, it's not going to happen quite as quickly as I wanted it to. <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, like, I deal with that with, you know, people who are on the program that I work for, um, you know, they they start the program, they have all this motivation because it's yeah. new, and then something happens where something's out of their control, or they fall mm-hmm. into an old habit, um, yeah. because habits are really hard to break, or new habits are really hard to form, and then they're like, oh my god, I've gone the wrong way. Um, and I think in those moments, it's always like, look, like there's always going to be hiccups along the road. And for every two steps forward, we take back, we're going to take or two steps. We take forward. We're going to take one back. Like progress isn't linear, but like everything's a teachable moment. So you could always reflect and be like, how would I handle that next time? Yeah, exactly. And just don't beat yourself up over it. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So let's run through. Do you have the principles in front of you? Um, I know what they are. Oh, look at you. You are the expert. <laughs> I don't okay, even so know them, but I wouldn't I'm like, just going to, I'll, I'll say them with maybe like a brief description, but I won't go into too much depth because it will take too much time. But all 10 of them are on a blog post on my website if anyone wants to delve in a bit deeper. So the first one um, is ditch the diets slash reject the diet mentality. And that one's really, really difficult and will take some time. You can't just reject all those diet rules overnight yeah because I feel like they're kind of ingrained like these are like habits that we formed over a really long time or just like learned behaviors that we've picked up from maybe like our parents that are so subliminal and that we don't even realize that we do exactly so 
first of all, you kind of have to address and explore what your food rules even are, mm-hmm. because they won't be, like, diet mentality on me will be different from you, like, we've mm-hmm. grown up with different messages, do you know what I mean? So, people need to kind of explore what those rules are in their head and actually identify them as unhealthy rules. Yeah. So, second one is honour your hunger. And again, a lot of people will be out of touch with their hunger signals because if you have been dieting for a long time, you've probably been ignoring hunger signals and it will take you a while to feel what they feel like again. Sorry, I'm just, I feel like I'm just talking here, so I'm just no, going to go, go through for it. I'm, I'm, like, in, I'm like attentively listening. That's okay, why I'm quiet. <laughs> um, so the third one is to make peace with food. And again, that's kind of looking at what negative thoughts you have around food and start to challenge those. So, you know, it might be... So is that just making, like, food food? Yeah, exactly. So basically, you know, if you've told yourself chocolate is forbidden, actually, let's break that down a little bit and just, you know, have this kind of neutral relationship with chocolate again. Right, so it's not good. It's not bad. It just, it is what it is. Exactly. 100%. Yeah, take away those good and bad labels. Um, Number four is challenge the food police, and that will be that voice in your head. I always call it the devil voice because I truly believe that we all have an angel and a devil on our shoulder Mm -hmm. who are, like, constantly communicating. But for some people, that devil voice is much louder. Yeah. So it's actually something to challenge that voice. So if you hear it say, oh, you know, you should have a salad for lunch, not a pizza, because a salad is better for you, like tell that voice to fork off like yes. literally actually fight that voice and challenge it yeah and I, I, I say to clients I'm like talk to it like scream it out loud if you need to yeah so I know that this is a really like difficult thing for people to like because like they feel awkward doing it and something that I found when working with people that which is really helpful that I used to do when I was working at more private practice is if you keep a journal and just put like a line in the middle of the page and then just have like each section or like one half the page be your negative voice and then you kind of respond to it in a positive way um Mm -hmm. and sometimes that visualization of like responding to the negative voice and seeing that um is is also really helpful for people that's really interesting i love that idea yeah cool um number where were we um food place so number five was or is uh respect your fullness and a lot of people don't realize or they don't think about the fact that there is a difference a huge difference between feeling full and feeling satisfied so i always use the example of like you can fill up on a load of salad leaves but you are not going to feel satisfied but you could still feel uncomfortably full yeah and then you look for more food because you're not satisfied and then you feel even more full and then it just leads you down this like dark road just feeling horrible (laughs) yeah that's like you walk into like a restaurant you're craving you know the bowl of pasta but you're like Mm -hmm. oh no for a healthier option I'm gonna go for the salad then you leave quite full but then you come home from dinner and you find yourself like going to this refrigerator you find yourself going through the cabinets because you're still searching for that satisfaction factor yeah because your body's seeking satisfaction yeah and then more times on a night you're gonna end up like consuming more food than you would have if you just had the bowl of pasta exactly exactly and the next one is actually discover the satisfaction factor oh sorry i jumped the gun no 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 it's fine it's nicely flowed on there i got excited (laughs) Uh, (laughs) 
too. You know what you're talking about too. <laughs> I like I read the book. I read it probably like when when was a popular like well when did I first hear about it? Maybe like two or three years ago. Yeah. Um, and I have it and I refer to it sometimes, but like yeah. I feel like I don't. I'm not an intuitive eating practitioner. I don't work with clients in intuitive eating, so sometimes like the rhetoric or like the actual words can like slip my mind. But I know it. Yeah. And <laughs> um, the seventh one is to honor your feelings without using food. So yeah. a lot of us comfort eat, and that's totally fine. It's totally normal. But if you're doing that every single day, maybe take a step back and think: What else could I do to actually address how I'm feeling right now and comfort myself in this time? Yeah. So, like on its own, comfort eating is not a bad strategy. It's actually, you know, it provides exactly what you want. It provides comfort. Because yeah. a lot of the foods that we tend to gravitate towards have, like, different positive associations or they just genuinely feel, taste delicious. Um, yeah. But it shouldn't be the only coping strategy that you have. Exactly. Uh, next one is to respect your body. And that's actually, again, quite a difficult one because a lot of people, it doesn't even come into their mind to respect their body. It just yeah. their whole world is centered around weight and sometimes what they think is healthy and what they think they should be doing and they just forget that like they're living in you know a healthy body that's you know breathing for them and doing all this stuff Mm -hmm. and they forget to just love and respect the skin that they're in yeah I feel like that's a really hard one for people it is because people almost feel like they don't deserve to respect their body which is really sad yeah or if their like um body differs from the body their ideal body type then they feel like it deserves no respect that's so common is when clients come to me they're like they you know say they were x weight at the age of 24 and now they're like 35 and they're like i want to be this weight because that's how much i weighed at 24 and that's when i really love my body and i'm like that's so unrealistic yeah yeah, um, but yeah. So, so, um, yeah, respect your body. Number nine is exercise and feel the difference. So it's like intuitive movement. So instead of exercising for a weight loss goal or to burn off X amount of calories or to allow yourself that chocolate bar in the evening, there's so many other positive reasons that we should be exercising. But again, those have all kind of been disregarded because, yeah, because weight's been the center point. So, yeah, actually finding some kind of movement that makes them feel good instead mm. of kind of having that mentality of must burn off all these calories. What about, sorry, I'm like jumping the gun, but like you can eat, or no, sorry, you can exercise and like want to look a certain way. Like I can say I want to go to the, I want to go to the gym because I want to build muscle. Is that yeah, not intuitive? It's, well, that might make you feel really good lifting weights. It might make you feel yeah. strong and powerful. So that would be another way of looking at it. Okay. But when, say if you have like a, a specific aesthetic goal, a lot of the time it's not maintainable to look so lean and strong and muscular long term because you probably have to be living in quite a strict regime to maintain that. Right. But Do you see what I mean? Yeah, I completely understand that. I'm just thinking if someone is thinking to themselves, oh, well, I go to the gym because, like, I want to get more toned or because I want more muscle definition, is that not 
I mean, like, you can go to the gym because you feel, it makes you feel good, but you can also go to the gym because you want, you know, to improve something. Is that not intuitive? That's actually a very good question. And to be honest, the exercise part of it is kind of like the, the principle that I would say I'm least experience with because obviously I'm a nutritionist and my focus is on the food yeah and kind of positive kind of behaviors that you can do to support your health um but I would never kind of someone said oh you know I really want to build muscle and I want to feel stronger I'd be like that's great let's find some exercises and you know some weightlifting activities that you enjoy while supporting that goal right okay Okay, that was just, like, a personal question of mine. Like, yeah. Okay, sorry I interrupted. Is there one more? <laughs> there is one more. Um, and that is gentle nutrition. Okay. Slash honouring your health. So, basically, a lot of people think as well that with intuitive eating, it kind of, like, disregards all nutrition. Right. And it doesn't at all. Like, you know, we're nutritionists. We're trained health professionals with scientific backgrounds. So it is still our duty to educate people in terms of, you know, the nutritional value of food. But what a lot of people don't realise is that when they actually do start to feel more comfortable with intuitive eating, normally they they just crave a balanced diet, and balance will look different for everyone. But your body will be sitting happily when you are eating a variety of nutrients. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that is supporting your health. But we can also talk about the fact that, you know, omega-3s are essential to the diet. And there's a lot of research saying that they support good heart health and brain health. Right. But that's not to say that, you know, omega-3s are an absolute superfood. And that's, you know, what we need to focus on every day. Yeah, this is where it becomes so nuanced, I think, like... There's just so much to go into. Like, we're not saying disregard all nutrition. It's just nutrition is not the absolute. Exactly. And it's eating for enjoyment as well. That's hugely important because that affects your mental health as well. Yeah. There are so many so many different things to consider. Um, yeah. But, when, you know, when you do start labeling foods good and bad and you've got all these food rules, that's much more damaging than kind of being a bit more open-minded with your food choices and actually you know having some chocolate in there and some cake and some foods you actually enjoy yeah I actually had two um pieces of biscotti yesterday um as like an afternoon snack with a decaf cup of coffee in the afternoon um (laughs) and I didn't so I have like so one of the girls at work went to Italy and she brought it back and it was so delicious like I love biscotti um, and then another girl at work tried some and she didn't like it. And instead of throwing it away, I was like, oh, I'll eat it. But like, I didn't even want it. I just like, I was already satisfied with my piece, but like, I just like couldn't bear the thought of her like wasting it. So but was you know that what? like that's, not an intuitive moment? But that's okay. That's like saying, you know, when you go out for a birthday party and you've had dinner and you're full and you're satisfied and then the cake comes out and you're like, I really, you know, I don't really want cake. I, you know, I could go without it. And that's fine to say no, but it's also fine to say yes if you, like you know, you're being polite or yeah. you just actually, I'm probably not going to have this, you know, whatever it is, vanilla and strawberry cake. Yeah. There's probably not going to be opportunity to have that in the near future. So actually I'm going to take advantage and just have some now. Yeah. You know what? I actually didn't even think about that example till like it just popped into my head because like. I didn't, like, think about it after. It's just, like, oh, my yeah. God, that was so delicious. But, like, actually thinking about it, like, 
I wouldn't have gone for the second unless it was like put put upon me if that makes yeah. sense yeah but it, it actually like being laid back about that decision it is a good thing whereas if you were you were like oh for god's sake like, I didn't even want it and now I've eaten it that's kind of um what's the word not proof but kind of like a sign yeah. that you're maybe not eating intuitively because of those disordered thoughts around the behavior so it's like a company so kind of like almost an intuitive action but then accompanied by a negative disordered thought means yeah maybe you're still working through it yeah definitely. so that, that journey kind of thing so I have a few questions some are mine and some are like I put it out to my Instagram followers this one's my question okay. so one of the things that I struggle with like totally being on board with intuitive eating is like the line at which maybe some disordered eating habits can be like still present but in the guise of intuitive eating so for example if you say my body is there's two examples I have like my body is really craving avocado and eggs every morning so I'm listening to my body and having it but like at what point is that kind of like maybe you're not actually listening to your body maybe that's just like you're unable to deviate from that and you feel like that that's Mm. what you're supposed to be having or my other example is saying like oh I'm gonna go to the gym because you know I know it's good for my body and I want to like you know be kind to my body but in reality you're going because you subconsciously need to go exercise because if you didn't it would give you anxiety kind of thing like if you didn't if you didn't exercise and you didn't move your body then you would feel anxious about not doing that I know that's like a weird way to say it but like yeah no I know what you mean can intuitive eating be a front for disordered eating behaviors I mean it depends on the person or take the avo and eggs example first I would if it were me and I was questioning myself I would say to myself okay so this morning instead of my avocado and eggs I'm going to have a bowl of like chocolate porridge or something Mm -hmm. and then you want to be able to like address your initial feelings towards the idea so is your is your mind saying actually I really don't feel like a porridge bowl I genuinely feel like I'd be more satisfied having eggs and avocado or are you like okay what, what if that satisfaction is skewed by like your perception of... then try it out just switch yeah. it up and see how you feel you and think... if you're thinking oh I really shouldn't have had that I feel much healthier having the other yeah. eggs then maybe it's a disordered eating pattern yeah. if you're like that was that was fine but I genuinely feel much more satisfied after the eggs than Maybe you just like avo and eggs every morning. <laughs> yeah, no, I. that's a really good way of putting it. But do you know what I mean? Like, I feel like sometimes it can be quite a, a like, a disguise, maybe? I, I, I completely understand what you're saying. And with the, it's funny, because I've actually kind of had this experience with exercise. And I'm like, you know, when you're like, should I go to the gym? Like, can I be bothered? Um... And then yeah. I'm like, okay, what would, you know, nothing's going to happen if you miss a day or like if you miss a workout. Of course. So sometimes you're just like, okay, yeah, like I'm not going to go. And then you go the next day and you're like, okay, I feel much better for moving my body now. Yeah. You just need to kind of address the thoughts behind it. And if it's really stressing you out, the thought of not going to the gym that day, then again, maybe it's like a disordered pattern. Yeah. And I think also like if you're unable to be flexible, that's 
that's a big red flag. Like, if you're unable to even deviate from those patterns, um, even if you think those patterns are really serving you and you're doing them in the name of intuitive eating, the fact that you're unable to even, like, pivot um, is a big red flag. Exactly. Like, I, I've even been with you sometimes, like, doing a day's work and then we, you've had, like, an exercise class booked and, you know, I would have gone home and then I, you were like, oh, I can't really be bothered to go. So we literally just sat and, like chatted for an extra hour yeah totally I'm and it's like we didn't that. eat any differently you know dependent on this workout like we just missed it <laughs> yeah I'm the queen of canceling gym classes except <laughs> when except when they charge me and then I'm like oh my god fuck. I did that I booked a spin class and I didn't go and they charged me and I was the like the oh. worst <laughs> the worst and then yeah. I'm like, but then it's like a very non-intuitive moment where I'm forcing myself to go to the exercise, not because exactly. of anything other than the fact that I hate, like, spending unnecessary money. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay. So some other questions I had, these are from followers. One is, can you be an intuitive eater, eat, eater after having an eating disorder? And I believe this is like something that there's like a whole chapter on... Um, this in the intuitive eating book mm -hmm. to be honest so I've, I've listened to a lot of podcasts in this and I've read a lot of information and it actually depends on the practitioner you ask some people will say no absolutely not and some people will say well actually some of the principles can be quite helpful and I do believe that yeah if I you are too. extremely underweight and you are suffering you know you're in the depths of an eating disorder you should hopefully be working with a dietitian and assumingly you will have a set meal plan and unfortunately you'll need to stick to that meal plan because you'll probably be in a position where you need to gain weight mm -hmm. and that's something I always have to remind some clients is that you know they often say oh you know my friend doesn't have to eat this much or it feels like a lot and I'm like yeah because you are on a weight gain diet yeah. like your body needs to you know your heart and your organs and everything else you know, they've been wasting away and they need extra nourishment and support at the moment. Yeah, and also if you are underweight, that massively affects your leptin and ghrelin cues. So you might actually, like, not even feel... So those feel... are the hunger and anxiety hormones. Yeah, sorry. Um, but you might not even <laughs> feel hungry or know what fullness feels yeah. like just because it's something that's not been in your life for X amount of time. Um, so sticking to exactly. those meal plans and getting onto a schedule and that gives your body time to adapt and get to those hunger hormones and satiety hormones back to, you know, or close to normal functioning. Um, so I, in my personal opinion, and like, I don't know how much weight this actually carries because like I said, I've never studied it. I've just like read up on it. Um, uh -huh. I think that you eventually can. But I think that your journey yeah. to becoming that is going to take one a lot longer. But also, it's yeah. it's not like you have to reteach your body to eat before you can think about the food. Definitely, no, I completely agree. And like I said, that's not to say that you can't start kind of looking and adopting some of these principles, like respecting your body mm. and rejecting, rejecting the, diet. the diet. Yeah, and actually questioning what food rules you have. Um, but of course, you're not going to be able to, you know, identify those hunger signals. And, you know, if someone did ask you to do that when you're extremely underweight, you'd probably say, well, I'm not hungry, so I, exactly. I'm not going to eat anything. <laughs> yeah, and you saying that you're not hungry while you're being underweight is a real thing. Like, your hunger hormones are 
change. So it's yes. not you always in the mind of restricting. Like, you physically don't feel hungry because you're yeah. hormones. So, like, yeah, that's, that's in that situation, in that context, that is quite normal. Yeah. So, and you, you don't always have to feel hungry to eat. Yeah. So in, eating intuitively doesn't hold this rule that, you know, you have to feel hunger before you eat. It, that there, there is kind of like a guide and actually identifying when you might need, you know, more food or specific types of food. You know, if you've just done a run and you feel super hungry, you're probably going to want to eat more carbohydrates, for example. Yeah, or if you know that you're going to be super busy and don't have the time to eat, then like exactly. even when you're not hungry to prevent future starvation. <laughs> yeah, like some people are like, oh, you know, I'm never really hungry for breakfast. But if you're then going to work and you've got meetings up until lunchtime... It's probably a good idea to have something. Seriously. I totally agree with that. Okay, next question. Is it possible or is weight loss possible with intuitive eating? Okay, so when if you really want to be an intuitive you know, eat intuitively, you kind of need to accept the fact that you have to put weight the the idea of weight loss on the back burner. Which so, means what? Put him like elaborate on that because i don't know if everyone knows what that means if you go to an intuitive eating nutritionist or dietitian and you say oh i want to lose weight hopefully they should tell you that they're not going to work with you to lose weight they're going to work with you to you know re-nourish your body and focus on your health and actually enjoying food again Mm. so that is not to say that you won't lose weight eating intuitively but you can't have it as the goal because there's actually no telling what your body's going to do once you start eating intuitively. You might lose weight, you might gain weight, you might stay exactly the same. You I, might go up and down for a while. Yeah, I was going to say, I feel like people, I feel like um, logically, and this is not like based off any studies or anything like that, yeah. this is just like my logical thought pattern, is that actually like in the beginning, you might be more um, likely to gain a small bit of weight because yeah. you're exploring all these foods that you've maybe had off limits for so long. But then when the novelty wears off and food just becomes food, you probably will lose that and you'll go back more to your set point. And I think that's yeah. an important thing to talk about because set point, um, it might not be the weight that you want to sit at, um, yeah. but also if maybe you're coming from a point of disordered eating where maybe you're more of a binge eater, then intuitive eating might help you lose weight. But not help you lose weight, but in the process of becoming an intuitive eater, you might be more likely to decrease your binges, which might yeah. decrease weight. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it's the, the research um, around this has actually been linked to weight management slash weight maintenance but not weight loss yeah so in other words it helps you manage just more of a steady weight whereas when you're dieting you, you you're probably going up and down yeah you're fluctuating yeah it's interesting though like um i think a lot of people don't really know what their set point is yeah and do you know what people really really struggle with is the idea that they probably or might do put on weight in the early stages of intuitive eating, they find that really difficult to get their head around. Yeah. So how would you kind of like, if someone said to you, like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm afraid to do intuitive eating because I'm afraid to becoming an, an intuitive eater because I might gain weight. Yeah, I would never ever force anyone to embark on this journey unless they were super ready. Yeah. And it really depends on, you know, the person that I'm working with. 
but it would be more kind of focus on we we tend to kind of avoid talking about weight and weight loss it's more focus on like how they're going to benefit mentally from this experience you know it it's they might even end up it's things like you know their life is so much more enhanced when they're not dieting and think about food every single second every single day because people do they literally spend their entire day from the moment they wake up distressing and obsessing about food yeah and then it's like they realize like oh my god i have so much all this time has like been freed up what the hell do i do with my life exactly and i always say to someone you know you've come to me for a reason what you've been doing hasn't been working for you at the moment so let's just try something new if you hate it you have every right to you know change your decision and how you want to live your life yeah um so something that just popped into my head and I feel like I'm just playing devil's advocate in this whole episode and I'm sorry yeah no that's you know it's what it's all about okay um (laughs) what about the lines between being an intuitive eating counselor and like psychology because it it Mm -hmm. seems kind of blurred that's a good question just because like um I mean like we all know like food and psychology is go they do go hand in hand like we choose to eat for a certain we choose to eat the things that we eat for a certain reason which is rooted in behaviors and thought patterns etc um which is very psych based but, you know, exploring all these things with people and digging deeper into making the food decisions that they do and things like that. Like, what, where do you feel, like, the line is between therapy and intuitive eating? So, a lot of the time, my clients will actually be seeing a psychologist alongside me. So, they'll have different things that they bring to each of us. Yeah. And um, we... When, in my training as well, it was very clear kind of what our scope of practice was... And if I felt like someone was really struggling, let's say with their body image, you know, it was getting in the way of their day, they couldn't actually focus on any of the principles because they were so obsessed with what they looked like. That's like a huge red flag and that is out of my, you know, scope of practice and they need to be having psychological support alongside um, nutrition help. And sometimes I've actually refused to work with people unless they have psychological support alongside it as well because... I can't be held responsible for someone going through all of this and I can't be the only health professional they're seeing because they, they bring it to me, like they bring it to the session and that's yeah. not their fault, but they, they, they need additional help. Yeah, totally. I think that that's one of the great things about having kind of, you know, the professional training is that you yes. do know where that line, because I think a lot of people who say, oh, I practice intuitive eating, like, I can help you X, Y, Z, like, they might be getting into some real sticky situations, and you might be doing so much more harm than good. Oh, 100%, yeah. And it, it, it it's heavy work as well, like, you don't yeah. want to be thinking, oh, God, you know, have I given someone the wrong piece of advice, are they now going to go, and, like, have I made them worse? Yeah. Like, it's just, it's not good for both parties yeah very true okay my last question is when does intuitive eating go too far like what if my body is intuitively telling me i need to eat my body weight and chocolate before i get my period (laughs) like amen Okay. okay yeah definitely um so i wouldn't say that's intuitive eating gone too far i mean i think that's just kind of you know you're about to come on your period and you're craving a big bar of chocolate it's not like you're craving a big bar of chocolate every single day you know there's a very good reason for it our hormones are all over the place so I would kind of say just go with that you're allowed to enjoy that yeah I think so and I actually think like leaning Um, into that moment is like 
it's intuitive and it's fine. You know, you're not going to do it every single day. I have great fun when I sit down with Ash and finish an entire box of chocolate. I have great fun. <laughs> I have great fun when I do that. I do but, too. You know, if I did it every day, I wouldn't enjoy it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that's kind of how I feel about sushi. Like, I can eat my body weight in sushi. Like, I love it so much. But, yeah. like, I don't want to have it every day because then it's not, like, it just wears off. Like, it's exactly. not Exactly. It's, it's not, not enjoyable. fun and special. Yeah. So, yeah, and Mark, like, is just getting into sushi and he wants to have it all the time because it's, like, new and exciting. And I'm like, no, because uh, it needs to remain a bit special. So, yeah. yeah. Okay, those were all kind of the questions that I got, and a lot of them were similar, so I kind of grouped them all together. Did you have any other questions? Um, again, mine kind of crossed over, but one person asked, how long does it take to eat intuitively? And there's not really an answer to that. There's no kind of set time scale in which you can expect to feel like you've mastered intuitive yeah. eating. Um, and it's definitely not kind of a quick fix or anything that happens overnight or like I said, or even like a week or a month. Some people have been yo-yo dieting for like 10 or 20 years. Yeah. They are not going to be able to reverse those, you know, disordered thoughts and behaviors in a small amount of time. Like that takes work. Totally. So um, yeah, it can take... It can take a really long time. It can take months. It can take years. But like I said, it's a journey. And people do find it, even, you know, when they, you know, they haven't mastered all 10 principles, they still find it a really positive experience. And they still, you know, every day gets better. Yeah. Okay. I like that. Um, and I think that's like with making any like lifestyle changes or any kind of like improvements, like we know change doesn't happen overnight. I feel like we've really spoken about this quite a bit on this podcast. Um, yeah. like slow and steady, like always wins the race. Um, what do you think about the idea that intuitive eating is kind of like a bunch of rules, not rules, but a bunch of like guidelines and principles like packaged in this like idea that it's intuitive eating and then it's being like sold to people is that do you feel like because sometimes I struggle because I'm like it kind of sounds like another diet not like a diet because I know there's like nothing to do with food the principles are on food related it's more about your yeah. mindset um and listening to your body but do you think it could be kind of perceived like that like follow these rules and you'll be an intuitive eater mm. and it's like so you know what but, I'm saying? Yeah, I no, I totally get your question. So obviously they're not rules, they're principles. Right. And they're kind of more like guidelines. And also there is nothing within those guidelines or principles that's actually telling you to stop or restrict anything. Yeah. Whereas a typical diet will either be, you know, restrict your calorie intake or track your calorie intake, um, reduce how much fat you're eating, reduce the amount of carbohydrates you eat don't eat past six like there's all these rules yeah. and restrictions and they're effectively just really negative rules and restrictions whereas these principles are really encouraging you to make changes to enhance not just you know the way you are and the way you eat but just like your mental well-being as well yeah and I guess the thing is is that like um 
if you slip up, and I'm, like, using that with, like, kind of, like, air quotes, like, if you slip up on the intuitive eating principles, like, it's all part of the journey, whereas maybe... I was going to say, yeah, that's that's actually part of the plan in a weird yeah. way. Like, or if you were to slip up on, like, the keto diet, then you failed the diet. Exactly. So I think yeah, there's absolutely no failing intuitive eating. There's no right way to do it, and one person's journey won't be the same as another person's journey. Yeah, and sometimes you have to fork up. Sorry, that was a terrible way to integrate our <laughs> brand. Um, but sometimes you have to mess up to learn, like, what ha- what not to do, if that makes sense. Exactly, and, like, I've sometimes sat down for breakfast and had, you know, something that I just made out of convenience. And I'm like, oh, I really wish I'd, like, taken the time to make something I actually really wanted, but whatever, I'll make it tomorrow. Yeah, to be honest, all my breakfasts are convenient because it's at work. Yeah. Actually, I just remembered... I left my Greek yogurt at work. Literally, just me saying that. Just, <laughs> oh, I brought in a whole tub. For the, I decided I'm going to work from home tomorrow. Will it not be there the day after? I can't guarantee that someone else is not going to eat my yogurt. No. Oh, my God. I'd text someone at the office and be like, write my name on that Greek yogurt Even, and put it in the fridge. Yep. Anyways, big sidetrack. Um, but yeah, I was saying like I ha- I bring things to work that are super convenient. I eat yeah. Greek yogurt, peanut butter, granola, things like that. There's always fruit. Yes. I could like add a banana, but kind of like that's just like oats because we have a microwave. Um, but like you know me, I'm a savory person. Like I really prefer yeah. like toast um, and things like that. Um, but we don't have a toaster, and I struggle to make savory breakfast like on the go. Sweeter breakfasts yeah. are just easier in my situation. So I I wouldn't say I'm an intuitive eater, breakfast eater, because I kind of eat what I can. Yeah, but that's also part of intuitive eating. It's actually allowing room for inconvenience in your day and being okay okay with that. It's like what yeah. we said about you know if you don't wake up hungry, but you know you're not going to be able to eat till lunchtime sometimes you might just have to eat even though you don't feel like it yeah okay so i guess i still am eating there you go you're Um, still you're okay okay. (laughs) and then the other thing that i just thought about actually is i remember when i was reading the book and i remember i highlighted in my book and if i went into my office right now and got it um you would see it highlighted is I think it was in the beginning when they start, like, um, explaining the different type of dieters or different type of eaters. And I remember really, really identifying with the unconscious dieter at different points in my life. So I think that especially when I was in uni and I was, like, a nutrition student, I was on this path to health. And, like, if you would have asked me if I was on a diet, I would have been like, oh, my God, no, I'm not on a diet. I just eat really healthy. Honestly, I think we, we... were at really similar points with our diet but literally just before we started our masters yeah so I think I like really I I, I didn't when I read it but like I my my younger self identified yeah. with the unconscious dieter um so I just thought that was an interesting thing I don't know if you wanted to elaborate on what that means yeah so I'm so glad you brought that up because I absolutely loved those pages of the book I think it was like two or three pages describing all these different types of like dieters um and it's like making a decision just thinking because you love the food and you're being super healthy and you know you don't allow yourself to just randomly have a chocolate bar in the day because that's not health (laughs) 
Yeah. Um, so it's kind of like subtle things like that where a lot of people, and this is another thing, is that that thing when people are like, oh, it's not a diet, it's just a healthy lifestyle. Yeah. That term, a lot of the time, is just a diet. So yeah. I would, you know, if you are wondering, if you're one of these people, I would, you know, start asking yourself, you know, what's your favourite chocolate bar? I say this to my clients. I'm like, what's your favourite childhood chocolate bar? And let's say if it's like, I don't know, a galaxy or something. I'm like, okay, go go buy a galaxy and just enjoy it. And they're like, what, wait? Just like randomly? And that feels uncomfortable to them. But why is it uncomfortable? Yeah. no, I Is it because you think it's not healthy to just eat it randomly for a snack? I think, you know, it's really weird. You know what's helped me become an intuitive eater and kind of like ditch that mentality? is honestly Mark, like, being with Mark, because he's... Ash did wonders for me, literally. Ash and I helped each other. Ash was, like, a massive bodybuilder when I met him, eating chicken and rice and broccoli all day. I remember. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, yeah, he's a very intuitive eater, because he's never been on a diet. Mm. Um, You know, in his later, more recent years, he's tried to improve his health, but he's never, ever really cared. He's always been, like, an athletic, you know, guy with a fast metabolism. Um, And I remember when we met, we met when I was 20, so my eating habits were much different than they are now. I'm 27. And um, I remember just, like, him coming to visit me in America and you know, we'd eat things that I would normally never eat and just having that spontaneous kind of, you know, person with me and just be like, okay, I want a slice of pizza. It's 11 o'clock at night. We already had dinner, but we're in New York. So let's just like go downtown and get a slice of pizza and just having that flexibility and spending time with him. It just like, I swear he helped me so much become more of an intuitive eater. Yeah, I remember sitting on the bed one night watching a film with Ash and we finished a box of Gillian chocolates, which are my favourite chocolates. And we actually do it regularly now. But it was like the first time that I'd like allowed myself to eat that much. And I remember thinking like, oh, it's okay because he's done it too. And yeah. that was just such a significant moment for me. And I didn't feel guilty. Like, I just, I was like, oh my God, I like just let myself eat so much chocolate and I got to enjoy it. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, definitely. I think that, you know, it's it's... I think that having that support system is really helpful when maybe you're not an intuitive eater. Um, It can be quite daunting to do it alone. Oh my god, and do you know what people really struggle with is when, like, their friends and family are still massively into dieting, and they're trying to, you know, eat intuitively, that's really challenging. Yeah, especially, like, if you're around food pushers. Oh, yeah. I I feel like we could talk all night about this. I know, it's actually really late, because it's, it's 9.30 now, and I ha- we have to go and edit this and upload it to 7am, but, like, I totally understand that. I think my mom, I know she's going to be listening to this episode, hi, Fran, um, she is a chef, so, like, the way she shows love to people is to cook for them, and yeah. so, like, whenever we come back and we go to visit my parents, like, we're going um, in a few weeks to go visit and my mom's like, well, what should I have in the house for you and Mark? And what, what do you want me to make for you? And it's like, you don't need to show me your love by the food and just be like, do you want, that's such a Jewish mom thing. Like, oh, I have more. Like, you yeah. love me, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you like my food? Cool. Eat all of it. <laughs> yeah, it's like, you eat my food, thereby you love me. So if yeah. you eat more, you love me more. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I think that that's really hard where it's like, you don't want to upset the person. I can't be like, mom, stop cooking for me. 
I don't want it because not yeah. that she would ever take it like that. Like she'd be like, okay, but yeah. you know what I mean. Some people might be like, oh well, what what is that? What are you trying to say? Yeah, I know, and that these are the kind of situations that people need to be able to handle, and it's difficult when you've constantly got that devil on your shoulder. Yeah. It's that devil. Write it down. I'm telling you, those two voices. Yeah, shout shout out loud. I had one client once when I was back when I was working privately who used to write it in two different colors. So, like, to really represent that, like, different voices. Oh, how interesting. Um, And again, it's all about the visualization just to, like, see the difference in your thoughts. Sometimes it's really hard because when you think about these voices, usually they're both in your voice, like your thoughts are yeah. your voice. That's so true. Yeah. So sometimes I know that a lot of practitioners will like um, externalize that voice by giving it a name. Um, and what I found to be most helpful when working with clients is to write it down in two different colors, so you can really separate the thoughts, even though they sound the same, they look different. That's such a good tip. So yeah, helpful. Anything else? I feel like we've chatted for hours about intuitive eating, yet we've probably still only brushed the surface. I was gonna say we've actually just summed it up so quickly. Um, so yeah, like we said at the beginning, if anyone has any additional questions, we can always ex- we can even do another episode if there's more that people want to learn more about. But it's so like there is so much to it. So doing it in one episode is quite challenging. But hopefully this has been helpful. And yeah, give us feedback. We can always expand via an Instagram live or another episode. Yeah, definitely. Okay, cool. Um, well, yeah, well, it is 930 and this episode has to go out in a few hours and I ideally want to be in bed before 10, even though I know that's not going to happen. So um, we're going to love you and leave you guys um, and we will see you next week. Yeah, thanks guys. As always, please rate, review and subscribe. It really helps us um, share what we're talking about and help us get heard. Yes, definitely. And please follow us on Instagram at Working Wellness. Bye. Bye.